Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Oh, yeah. Do you want to change? Well, I know that you do. But as I was telling um, a woman and her husband earlier today, the addict has to walk his talk. I mean, he has to do the things that will make her feel safe. For her, they're going to help her heal. And um, he's not doing his work. Well, he is, but it's taken him six months to do ten chapters. And she's like, you're not putting enough energy into that. That is always a problem. And so... The truth of the matter is, think about what is one thing you could do to help your partner feel safe. And what I know is that if you tell her that you are going to do something, she's going to need to hold you accountable because she's seen if she can trust you again. I know that probably makes some sense to you. So, here's what the deal is. Think about something that you can do to make her feel safe. And if you're an addict listening to the show and you are not in a relationship, that's fine too. Think about what you can do to improve your own recovery. Okay, now, the only other thing I want to add is that for this partner, she was not receiving what he was doing. Because it wasn't up to her standards, it wasn't good enough. And I had to keep saying, Emily, what he is doing 
is progress. You didn't get this two years ago. You didn't get it 10 years ago. So please notice the progress, not, not looking for perfection. And so they both have something to work on. And that makes sense, too. So you have to be a couple that works together to make this thing work. All right. Today I have a a very interesting guest on. She's a partner, and she's doing her best to help addicts and partners understand what it is she needed to get healthy. And she's going to talk about her story. And I so appreciate that when people come on and talk about their story, because when one woman has a story, it resonates with all other women. And so she's brave to come on. Let this be a lesson for any of my listeners. If you want to come in and share your story, I would love to have you. I just think that would be amazing. But what that means is uh, you could do it anonymously or not. Um, But it really does mean that you have to decide what is your message? What do you want to get across? And what I believe is that everybody has a message and everybody has something they can absolutely help another person with. That's what this work is all about. That's that 12-step work, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, truly, it's about looking at somebody's life and being able to determine what do they need? What can I do to make somebody feel safer? All right. And that's what we're doing today. There is no doubt about it. We're working the situation and we're learning from each other. So, what have you learned this week about yourself? Maybe it was something about your sex addiction. Or maybe it was something about partner betrayal. Maybe it was unrelated to either one of those issues. Maybe, in reality, it was about learning what you could do, what your capabilities were, or your potential was. You know, that's what Unleashing Your Power is all about. It's about finding your potential. And certainly in the book, Help Them Heal, that last stage of post-traumatic growth is about you finding your mission in life, your purpose, and, and being able to actualize that so that it's a full circle experience. And that's what I feel like Catherine is doing today. She's coming on the show. She's sharing her story because she really wants others to learn from what she did, what she didn't do, what he did, and what he didn't do. So, Catherine, welcome Mm -hmm. to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. How are you? I'm um, hanging in there, Carol. Um, So I'm really happy to be here with you. Well, thank you. And, you know, Catherine has been under the weather in 
and she made it to the show anyway. So I I appreciate that so much. You are definitely a survivor, and I believe you're a thriver. Um, and the fact that you're coming on and, and sharing a little bit about your story that that makes that makes this show so personal. So can you share a little bit about? Um, your story with your husband and what it was like to experience partner betrayal. Boy, yeah, that's a whole long, long journey for me. Um, it began, what, 42 years ago? Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I met my met my husband in church and... You know, he seemed very godly, and um, we had a lot of interest in common, and we kind of we um, kind of became friends. And then, you know, it was at the age I was 23 and he was 27. People were wanting to get married, and um, and so, um, you know, he asked me one day, maybe we should get married, and I thought, yeah, you know, I kind of wanted to, but had a lot of doubts um, about him. And um, and then we were, I guess, not, we never had an official engagement, but we were, I guess, engaged. And, and then during that time, um, which was very short between when I met him and when we married was only about, I don't know, eight months maybe at the longest. And so then... Um, that is short. Yeah, yeah, and we, um, and so you know, he and I hiked a lot together. We liked the same foods. We would run. We would run together. We, um, you know, we were I thought really good friends. And um, he had a little apartment, and I lived with a couple other gals. We had an apartment and um, in Denver and. And um, so I'd been over to his apartment before, and he had me over uh, one evening for dinner. And then um, after dinner, he got me up out of my chair and got me on the floor. And I found my journal that explained um, he used me as a thing to release himself with. And, um, And then he said to me, well, we have to go confess to our pastor that we had sex. And... Somehow I believed him, and I think I'm I'm have a very um, soft, you know, conscience, and you know, felt like I didn't know what um, rape or anything was. I thought that was if you didn't know the person, if you knew them, it must be consensual. I mean, here we were engaged, so. Um, and then it happened a second time, and I know the second time I was telling him to no stop, and he didn't. And again, he said we have to go to the conf- and go, you know, confess to our pastor that we had sex. So that was the narrative that he gave me. And obviously now, knowing that's gaslighting, changing my reality, and so. Um, and hey, can I you know, I had a lot of doubts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you had said something, even before that, you said, uh, which I found fascinating, that when you met him, 
there were some things that you didn't call them red flags, but there were some things that weren't right. And and Mm -hmm. would you share with our listening audience one of those things? Because your intuition was talking back then, and you were too young to know. You didn't know to listen to your intuition. Well, I didn't really know what was not right. I just knew there were things about him I didn't like that I felt like were very superficial. Um, and so I struggled with that because I thought, well, love isn't supposed to care about these things that I cared about. Like he had depression and he never smiled and I didn't like his parents because they were very cold and distant. And, um, you know, he had some other characteristics about him that I didn't care for. Um, so just different, you know, there were just things I didn't care for. And I really questioned whether I loved him. Um, and, um, so I don't know, but I still had in my gut that something wasn't right. And I don't think, and I know that the that gut thing of something's not right had nothing to do with his looks or his um, character things that I didn't, um, that I wasn't attracted to. Um, you know, that one but thing I, I wanted I to do, say was, mm-hmm, go ahead. I do think that that was, you know, that was important to listen to because when you are going to marry somebody who doesn't smile, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. appears depressed, you know, you've got three choices. You can say, how can I help you with this to see if we can, um, together as a team, help you work out of your depression, or mm-hmm. you can make the choice, oh, boy, I don't want to live with somebody who's prone to depression, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you can do nothing. And back then, that you said that was how many years ago? Twenty. 42 Seven? years, 42, 42, 42 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't hear much about depression. So, I again, I give you grace. I mean, you didn't know what you didn't know, and yet they weren't little things. They were big things. I mean, when mm-hmm. somebody doesn't smile, we want to be around people that smile and kind of raise our energy level. So mm-hmm. that combined with the fact that, he did rape you on two occasions. It was like mm-hmm. now that you were getting married, um, he felt like he could have your body whenever he needed that. And then didn't you go to confession and weren't you told something very important by the pastor? Um uh. I don't really remember what he said at that time with the two of us, but he did tell me, don't listen to the, your feelings. He said, don't listen to your mm-hmm. feelings. One day you're going to love them. One day you're going to hate them. You know, you're going to wake up one morning and next to this guy and he's got bad breath and you're going to think, why did I marry him? But, um, but, you know, the other thing I wanted to say was that my husband and I had talked specifically that we were not going to have sex before marriage. That was clear. That was a boundary Mm -hmm. that he knew. He also told me 
I don't even want to kiss you before we get married. And I thought that was a little strange. I mean, we did kiss on a couple occasions, but just to make it clear, there was no, you know, people think, oh, it was passion out of control and, you know, you were together and kissing and things got carried away and it was not like that at all. And, um, and I'm sure we had our clothes on even. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make that clear. But also, um, I think that I took on that responsibility that somehow uh-huh. I told my friend he can't control his sexuality, which back then just me saying that was such a clear um, identification of him because that's how he is now. I mean, you know, a sex addict can't control their sexuality. And so exact behavior. I said sexual behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I felt like, oh well, if we get married I can help him. You know, I need somehow I took that on like I was responsible for this. So which is so warped and I'm you know, I can be mad at myself for for taking on that responsibility, but somehow I did. And so, um, and yet, and yet Catherine, you don't take mm-hmm. that on now. Do you? I right. mean, you're really no. good uh-uh. about your, mm-hmm. 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 yeah. So continue yeah. with the story. So I, um, I went and spent a day with God and, my journal and my Bible and praying and just seeking God for a whole day on New Year's Day in um, 1981. And, um, and I felt like God said, you know, I said, I don't love him. And then I felt like God said, well, I'll give you love for him. And I'm like, well, I guess that's what God does when we can't love people. He gives us love for them. And, and, and then I said, well, I, I'll just have to marry him out of faith and obedience to God that God wants me to do this. So somehow I felt like God wanted me to do this, marry him. And I was just doing it for God, not for me. And so that's kind of how I entered into marriage. But again, you know, life happened. We, you know, we had a baby two years later and, and, um, you know, things got busy and, um, but there was, you know, just so much unhealth and um, in our relationship, you know, there was from the beginning, my husband is not, he's an avoider and he doesn't take responsibility. He cannot have any, he doesn't have empathy. He doesn't know how to validate me. And so there was just a lot of um, unmet needs for me, I think, and I'm sure for him too. You know, it is so interesting you say that because in my book, Help Her Heal, I'm teaching sex addicts how to have empathy and how mm-hmm. to balance feelings and to mm-hmm. put you first. And that's the antidote to a healthier relationship. And you never had that, and yet you have indirectly stayed with him, although you're living apart. So now, fast forward a little bit. You said that, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you got pregnant. And when did you first think that he might be looking at pornography, 
uh, or going outside of the marriage. I never thought that. I mean, I didn't. I had no clue except that he was very distant. I would say he lost a really good job 11 years ago, and then that really changed him. And then he his depression got worse, and um, and he just became more distant. And I went to a friend, and I said, there's just a blockage. And that was all I could picture. Like, it's just a blockage with him, something is going on. And... Um, and then she and I prayed together. And then I asked my husband when I got home, because I had listened to um, a sermon um, about lust and love, like what the difference between lust and love is. And he talked about masturbation. And I thought, oh, my husband had mentioned that was a problem before we got married for him. Um, but I just thought marriage, you know, once they get married, they don't need to do that. So... I asked him, do you have a problem with this? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, you do? And he's like, yeah. I said, how long has that been going on? And he said, the whole marriage. And I'm like, you're kidding. 37 years you've been doing this? Right. And so that just blew my mind. Like, how could you hide something for 37 years? And I have no clue. Um, And you know, that was four years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Deception What's that? is so much a deception is so much mm-hmm, a part mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. acting out, um, mm-hmm. and so he had trouble being emotionally intimate with you. He didn't share his real no. self, did he? Yeah. No, he still doesn't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He's, I don't think he's capable. Mm-hmm. So let yeah. me ask you. How do you cope with it? I mean, because you are emotionally very healthy. And it's like you've grown out of this and from it. Um, how mm-hmm. have you made, how have you found that that healthy place? Well, by doing a lot of work and um, developing some good healthy practices in my life. Um I did hear something last week that I thought was very helpful because, you know, I've been waiting these four years for my husband, thinking he's going to get in recovery, thinking he wants the marriage, thinking he's going to do the work, thinking, you know, that things are going to change. And um, and I heard this quote that any plan based on someone else changing is a bad plan. And I think that really hit me like, yeah, I've been kind of basing my life based on him changing. And, um, and so I'm shifting that. Um, but I do some practices, um, meditations, um, and that have helped me. And I just, um, you know, do a lot of um, everyday recovery work, I guess. Um, and I think the hardest thing for me is to focus, get my focus off of him. Um, that's been really hard. The whole emotionally detach is very hard The letting go. I've been working on letting go and, um, and that's, 
what I've been working on for myself, but the well, one know, thing that has that, helped. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Kat. Go ahead. Well, I do this yoga nidra that has helped me a lot. Um, and, you know, it's yoga where you don't move. You just lay there. And um, and you have to come up with a sankalpa, which is like a statement of I am. It's like a statement of of reality, even though maybe it hasn't happened and isn't reality yet. But And so the ones that I've been working on that I say when I do yoga nidra is I am letting go. I am making good decisions. And I am living my purpose. And so those are the things that I have been focusing on. Wow, that is really, really powerful. And I was going to ask you, Mm -hmm. you know, truly letting go is very difficult to do unless you can surrender it to something. Now, Mm -hmm. do you believe higher power? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you got it. Mm-hmm. do you say the serenity prayer and let go and let God and just imagine yourself giving it up to Him? I do, and I I have a prayer every day that says I give everything and everyone to you, God, and that is something I say every day. And um, and I I did a a recent meditation on letting go where you're you're breathing in through like your left hand you breathe in through your left hand up your arm into your heart and then when you let your breath out it goes through your right arm down and out your right hand and so it kind of makes this circle but it's like the breath comes into your heart and then the breath goes out again and as you know as that breath comes in we take in but then we have to let let go and and that's what life is right we 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 can't hold on to anything and so um just learning that practice and it's really hard it's really hard to let go but i love the fact that you use those visual aids to really mm-hmm. feel your body to help you surrender to that all-important letting go. Because unfortunately, mm-hmm. too many partners in partner betrayal are still really tethered to the power that the addict has over her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. mm-hmm. you are doing a great job at working through that concept. You know, Catherine, you're very wise. What, what things might you tell a partner who feels stuck in partner betrayal? Well, I know the stuckness for sure. Um, Three things that people would say to me, um, like at the beginning, and I always got kind of mad at these saying, you know, things like focus on yourself and, self-care and never really quite knew what those how to do those things but um, I guess 
you have to find what works for you and um, just, just keep trying. There's so many podcasts. There's so many groups. There's so much help out there. And that's, I just kept trying. I just kept knocking on doors and just um, kept trying different things. And um, I think it's, it, it's a, journey, a journey, right? It's, um, uh, I think one thing that has been really hard for me is just the somatic part. I'm still really working on, you know, my own feelings and where do I feel them in my body. And I thrilled that part is very hard for me. Um, I think there's so much of ourselves that we we don't have a lot of explicit memory, but the implicit memories are inside of our bodies, and our bodies hold everything. And and so getting to that trusting of our bodies, trusting of our feelings, trusting of our intuition, that's where the wisdom is. That's where the growth is. That's where. Um, we really find ourselves again. Oh, I 100% agree with you. And, and that in and of itself is so important. The body does keep the score and it does mm-hmm. keep the memories. And mm-hmm. so the fact that you're really paying attention to it, and it's interesting, Catherine, because I will tell a client, I will go through this process called the isomorphic path to intimacy, and it's self-intimacy. And the first thing mm-hmm. you do is something doesn't feel right or it just plain old feels wrong, um, you ask yourself, where do you feel it in your body? And mm-hmm. then after you determine where you feel it, you give it a voice, you give it a name. What mm-hmm. feeling is that? And then after you give it that name, you know, anger, sadness, frustration, um, loneliness, then what you do is you ask yourself, what do I think of myself when I'm in this state, when I feel this way? And you come up with those Mm -hmm. mind stories. And they might be, I'm not good enough, or they might Mm -hmm. be, I'm never going to get over this. And when you feel those feelings and have those thoughts, you have to be kind to yourself and give yourself self-compassion and self-care. So will mm-hmm. you tell our listening audience what you personally do for self-care? Well, I do do that yoga nidra. I do, I have um, a couple meditation apps also that are faith-based. Um, one is called the pause app, and I do that daily. I usually do a morning and evening um, meditation. And um, I think the one thing I'm, you know, really working on is the self-compassion and that as those feelings come up, because I can have some really difficult, painful feelings. I've been looking through all my journals over these years, and the main, and the main word in all of them are pain, 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 or sadness. It's just sadness and pain, and is it ever going to end, you know? And the pain can be so severe, I don't know how to handle it. And, and to just sit with that and 
put my hands over my heart and just say, okay, just, you know, and asking myself those questions. Tell me why you're feeling mm. this and just let myself talk to myself and, and, <laughs> and just, um, and just tune into like, yeah. And, you know, as if I'm talking to another person, I want to hear myself and know myself and okay, it's okay. You're, you're feeling, of course you're feeling that. And let's just feel it together right now. And um, so that has been a big shift for me, that practice of that self-compassion and, and just really holding my own heart and not expecting someone else to do that for me, but learning how to do these things for myself. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And it's all within your control so that you aren't dependent on somebody else to Mm -hmm. uh, strengthen your future. I mean, you know me. I'm all about couples getting healthy together. But Mm -hmm. each individual person needs to know how they can provide that for themselves. And you are the Mm -hmm. living example of how to do that. Um, And you do some fun things, too. Share with our listening Mm -hmm. audience some of the fun things that you do. Well, I did do that um, Grand Canyon trip with Sarah um, Schulting-Krantz. I did that during 2020. Um, Mm -hmm. I do hike quite a bit. I have a short hike I do often in Boulder here um, once a week. It's about a five-mile hike, and I spend that time with God and just talking and meditating and thinking. Um, So I and I, I swim, I walk, I do yoga, and um, love spending time with friends, and um, love connecting with people. And I, I do love kayaking. That. I learned to kayak recently too. So yeah. Um, Did mm-hmm. you really? You learned to kayak? Yeah. So oh, I've wow. been, I've taken some nice little kayak trips uh, in the last year too. So. That's my new thing I want to get into. Oh, wow. Love that, too. Now, obviously, you may not want to talk about the state of your relationship today. Mm-hmm. But I am wondering how you are coping with the state of the relationship today. Well, you know, we, my husband and I went, he found the counselor who's a sex addiction therapist. He's pretty, he's well known in some uh, areas here, but we went to him and he put, he gave my husband a month to do um, a list of things. He gave my husband a list and here's what you need to do for a month to show us that you're serious to be working so we can work together you know, um, he said, I want to work with you guys if you're not willing to do the work. And so he gave us a month, and my husband didn't do what the counselor asked him to do. And so the counselor said, it's a no-go. I'm still working with mm-hmm. the counselor, and he's been really helping me. And he, you know, he said to me, and I've had several counselors say this, um, we don't give uh, advice. And I've never given this advice to anyone, but you need to divorce him. And I've had like three counselors tell me this. 
and so we did um, we did just legal we just filed for legal separation we're in that process right now um I don't know if I'll keep it a legal separation or move it to a divorce, but we are in the process right now. I just came to that place where he's not willing to do the work, and I don't think he uh, really wants the marriage. So um, it's time to move on. And that is a big place for you to have gone um, because you weren't ready Mm -hmm. to do that. 10 years ago, and so it's only because of your own growth that you've been able to Mm -hmm. make those kinds of choices. Um, As we begin to wrap up the show, Mm -hmm. what do you think partners face the most difficulty with? In other words, what do you think a partner deals with that keeps her from taking good care of herself? Well, the first thing that pops into my mind is the focus on him. Uh, it's mm-hmm. really hard to not focus on him. Um, and, you know, it depends on if they have children and jobs and all that, too. I mean, I was fortunate to not have be working full time and our kids are grown. So, um, you know, I had more of an opportunity and to focus on me, and, and I think after I asked my husband to move out of the house four years ago, I really had opportunities to focus on me, and, you know, I did start an Airbnb in my house so that I have people coming and going a lot, and that keeps my focus, too, on other people and not, you know, not so much on my circumstances, but um, it's a hard place to be to shift and I think focusing on him somehow makes us feel like we're going to find safety, but we're not. Um, and it's um, it's a well, hard I mind agree. shift, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, um, a mind shift that takes a lot of personal development and growth. And Catherine, mm-hmm. you exemplify that. Uh, Good luck to you, no matter what choice you make. I cannot emphasize to our listening audience, therapeutic separations can be so healthy so that you can clear your own mind and know what it is that you need. And Catherine is also a living example of that. Um, Catherine, you were separated for how long? It's been four years. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a therapeutic separation. I wish it had been because it would have put some boundaries around him and some, you know, things that he, it would have given us more guidelines. But out of my severe trauma, I asked them to move out of the house thinking it would be a month and it was in four years. So, um, you know, that was just something I did out of desperation that he had to leave in order for me to survive the trauma that I was in. But, um, but I'm really grateful for that it's turned out to be a very positive thing and I'm just now learning the gifts I'm just mm -hmm. you know now I'm I'm just now experiencing the gifts of this right there are gifts right and and just to tell people there are gifts you know to focus on what gifts are are they're going to be there in your life 
Absolutely. And you know that's one of the key bullets to happiness is to have that gratitude, to be able to um, know how you've grown from something and own it and wear it and love it. So, Catherine, thank you so much for sharing Mm -hmm. your life and your wisdom with my listening audience. Well, thank you for having me, Carol. You're an amazing woman, but then you knew that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Make it a good day, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, again, if you want to be on the show, just give us a holler. You can email me at carol at carolthecoach.com, whether you're an addict, whether you're a partner, whether you're a couple. Uh, We'd love to hear your story amongst the experts that I interview. And as I say, at all times, there will only be one of you. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good one.